Double D bonus episode. Hey guys, so today, bonus episode, we'll be talking about The Lighthouse's true story. It's pretty um, dark, and there are a couple stories attributed as the inspiration for this movie, and they're pretty long. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty... Well, okay, there's two stories. I got about three pages each for each story, so... So, I mean, I mean, we... We may as well just tuck in, right? So here we go. On December 26, 1900, a small ship was making its way to the Plannan Islands in the remote outer Hebrides. Its destination was the lighthouse at Eileen Moor, a remote island which, apart from the lighthouse keepers, was completely uninhabited. Captain James Harvey was in charge of the ship, which was also carrying Joseph Moore, a replacement lighthouse keeper. As the ship reached the landing platform, Captain Harvey was surprised to see no one waiting for their arrival. He blew his horn and set up a warning flare to attract attention, but there was still no response. Joseph Moore then rowed ashore and ascended up the steep set of stairs that led up to the lighthouse. According to reports from Moore himself, the replacement lighthouse keeper suffered an overwhelming sense of foreboding on his long walk up to the top of the cliff. Once at the lighthouse, Moore noticed something was immediately wrong. The door to the lighthouse was unlocked, and in the entrance hall, two of the three oilskin coats were missing. Moore continued into the kitchen area where he found half-eaten food and an overturned chair, almost as if someone had jumped from their seat in a hurry. To add to this peculiar scene, the kitchen clock had also stopped. Moore continued to search the rest of the lighthouse, but found no sign of the lighthouse keepers. He ran back to the ship to inform Captain Harvey, who subsequently ordered a search of the islands. No one was found. Harvey quickly sent back a telegram to the mainland, which in turn was forwarded to the Northern Lighthouse Board headquarters in Edinburgh. The telegraph read, A dreadful incident has happened at Flannins. A dreadful accident has happened at Flannins. The three keepers have disappeared from the island. On our arrival this afternoon, no signs of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but as no response was made, managed to land more, who went up to the station but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped, and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened at least a week ago. Poor fellows. They must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night come on. We could not wait to make something as up to their fate. I have left Moore, MacDonald, and Bowermaster, and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until you make other arrangements. will not return to Oban until I hear from you. I have repeated this wire to Muirhead in case you are not home. I will remain at the telegraph office tonight until it closes, if you wish to wire me. A few days later, Robert Muirhead, the board superintendent who both recruited and knew all three men personally, departed for the island to investigate the disappearances. His investigation of the lighthouse found nothing over and above what Moore had already reported. That is, except for the lighthouse's log. Murad immediately noticed that the last few days of the entries were unusual. On the 12th of December, Thomas Marshall, the second assistant, 
wrote of severe winds, the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years. He also noticed that James Ducat, the principal keeper, had been very quiet and the third assistant, William MacArthur, had been crying. What is strange about the final remark is that William MacArthur was a seasoned mariner and was known on the Scottish mainland as a tough brawler. Why would he be crying about a storm? Log entries on the 13th of December stated that the storm was still raging and that all three men had been praying. But why would three experienced lighthouse keepers, safely situated in a brand new lighthouse that was 150 feet above sea level, be praying for a storm to stop? They should have been perfectly safe. Even more peculiar is that there was no reported storms in the area on the 12th, 13th, and 14th of December. In fact, the weather was calm, and the storms that were to batter the island didn't hit until December 17th. The final log entry was made on December 15th. It simply read, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. What was meant by God is over all? After reading the logs, Murad's attention turned to the remaining oilskin coat that had been left at the entrance hall. Why, in the bitter cold winter, had one of the lighthouse keepers ventured out without his coat? Furthermore, why had all three lighthouse staff left their posts at the same time, when rules and regulations strictly prohibit it? Further clues were found down by the landing platform, where Murad noticed ropes strewn all over the rocks, ropes that were usually held down in brown crates 70 feet from the platform on a supply crane. Perhaps the crate had been dislodged and knocked down, and the lighthouse keepers were attempting to retrieve them when an unexpected wave came and washed them out to sea. This is the first and most likely theory, and as such, Murad included in his official report to the Northern Lighthouse Board. But this explanation left some people on the Northern Lighthouse Board unconvinced. For one, why had none of the bodies been washed ashore? Why had one of the men left the lighthouse without taking his coat, especially since it was December and the Outer Hebride? Why had three experienced lighthouse keepers been taken unaware by a wave? Although these are all good questions, the most pertinent and persistent question was around the weather conditions at the time. The sea should have been calm. They were sure of this, and the lighthouse could be seen from nearby Isle of Lewis. And any bad weather would have obscured it from view. Over the following decades, subsequent lighthouse keepers at Eileen Moore have reported strange voices in the wind calling out the names of the three dead men. Theories about their disappearance have ranged from foreign invaders capturing the men all the way to alien abductions. Whatever the reason for their disappearance, something or someone snatched those three men from the rock of Eileen Moore on that winter's day over a hundred years ago. Let's do a quick talkie talk, yeah? This is the first story. This is the end of the first story. I mean, what would your theories be? My theories, of course, are dark and morbid and macabre. And I assume that maybe because the logs say that, you know, there was this terrible three-day storm and the mention of the one brawler crying. When I think of things like that, I think of, okay, so if I'm having an anxiety attack and I'm known as a pretty hardy woman, I'm hardy, okay, and I don't, I'm not squishy, but I'm very friendly, okay, let's, I'm like a nice middle ground between brawler and friendly, okay, okay, anyways, and I feel like I suffer from anxiety and if I were in this situation, basically at this point trapped on this island with these two other dudes, I would start to get paranoid. I would get anxious. I would be very wary of my company. So the crying thing makes a little sense. 
I mean, us tough guys, we are actually very sensitive, soft, squishy people who have anxiety or depression, PTSD even. And I don't know his past, so I can't really count for that. But I could see it as maybe his anxiety got built up so much. He had an emotional breakdown and then he had a mental breakdown and maybe he murdered the two other fellas and let their, and maybe he buried them. Maybe he, I don't know, cut them up and threw them into the ocean and hope to God that something ate them or whatever the case may be. I know this is a really grisly take, but it makes more sense to me than the guys being knocked over by a wave or some foreign invaders coming to steal them or some alien abduction. I mean, if you've got a fighter on your team and they lose their shit, they're going to lose their shit hard. And we don't know his past. And I'm kind of interested in digging into this guy's past and see if he has any kind of interesting criminal record, maybe, or being in a hospital for any reason, maybe head injuries. There's a whole different, a whole, not a whole different, but a whole bunch of different reasons that, I mean, he could have snapped being isolated with these two guys and killed them and then killed himself, maybe? Who knows? I mean, it's not the only story where men go crazy and do horrific things to each other. We've got tons of examples of that in our history. So, yeah, pretty, pretty dark, pretty dank. Um, but that's not my favorite lighthouse story. Favorite lighthouse story is this one, which I feel is more accurately, I don't know, I don't wanna say depicted. The second story I feel is closer to the film Lighthouse and we also mentioned earlier that the lighthouse there is a predecessor to the lighthouse so this story fits more closely in with the story of the lighthouse the film that we just reviewed there is also another lighthouse movie which follows us even closer I mean almost step for step closer so without any more ramblings by me and my dark thoughts let's move on to the second story 25 miles off the coast of pembrokeshire in wales on a tiny slither of land called the smalls stands a lighthouse steeped in dark history the lighthouse which is there today was built in 1861 to replace the original building which was erected in 1777 designed by henry whiteside in 1776 the original structure stood on oak struts with a central column added a few years later for stability access was gained by a sturdy rope ladder attached to a trap door in the underside of the main room the first recorded incident involved a visit Whiteside had made to the site. The weather turned and stranded him for a month. Short on supplies and desperate for help, he penned several letters which read as follows. To Mr. Williams, Smalls, February 1st, 1777. Sir, being now in a most dangerous and distressed condition upon the Smalls, do hereby trust Providence will bring to your hand this which prayeth for your immediate assistance to fetch us off the smalls before the next spring. We fear we shall all perish. Our water is near all gone, our fire is quite gone, our house in a most melancholy manner. I doubt not, but you will fetch us from here as fast as possible. We can get off at some part of the tide almost any weather. I need say no more, but remain your distressed. Humble servant, Whiteside. 
We are distressed in a gale of wind upon the 13th of January, since which have not been able to keep any light. But we could not have kept any light above 16 nights longer for want of oil and candles, which makes us murmur and think that we are forgotten. We doubt not, but whoever takes up this will be so merciful as to cause it to be sent to Thomas Williams, Esquire, Trelithin near St. David's, Wales. These notes were sent by a bottle and two days later reached their intended recipient, Mr. Thomas Williams and Whiteside and crew were rescued. In 1801, the now functional lighthouse was manned by two men, Thomas Howell and Thomas Griffin. It is said that the two did not get on very well and often argued. Imagine being stuck in such a small place with no respite from someone you just couldn't stand. Maddening, to say the least. The incident that follows is as described by Ivor Amelin in his 1854 version of events. At some point, Griffith complained of feeling ill and succumbing to his sickness, died, leaving Howell alone. Howell knew that with the well-known dislike between he and Griffith, he would most likely be accused of murder and as such didn't want to throw the body into the sea. As days passed and the body began to decay, he knew he had to do something. The stench of death was heavy in the lighthouse. He set to work building a coffin using wood taken from the dwelling apartments and, with body inside, lashed the makeshift tomb to the outside of the railings around the building. The storm closed in, making it impossible for any passing boats to reach Howell. Worse still, the strong winds tore at the coffin, leaving the corpse exposed and rotting outside the lighthouse window. Griffith's arm, waving in the wind, seemed to beckon to Howell from beyond the grave. Weeks passed, with passing boats assuming there was no issue. Howell had raised the distress signal, but the light continued to shine. And when passing, one of the men could be seen at the railings waving to the passers-by so there seemed to be no problem. When Howell was finally relieved, he returned to shore, white-haired and a shell of his former self. It is said that even his closest friends could not recognize the man they knew. Such were the horrors he had endured in the lighthouse. From that year on, it had been tradition in manned lighthouses for a crew of no less than three to be on duty at any one time. I love that story. I mean, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I don't love that it happened, but I mean, what a fucked story so we have a lot of similarities between this story and the lighthouse um that we just reviewed we've got thomas and thomas and possible murder murder except for the only thing that it you know it, it it's loosely based okay the other lighthouse movie that was in 2016 2015 ish um that one used the same sort of lighthouse the wooden oak lighthouse um that you use the fancy rope to climb up and you get into the cabin and it's very close quarters i mean i've only seen very few lighthouses in my time and most of them were just sort of decoration i mean i don't know if any of the ones um on the lake erie on the lake erie meh, i don't know if anyone you know on lake erie has like a, a lighthouse with the attached house and the supply shed. I mean, you know what I mean? Because they're literally in the city or they're in Fredonia. So I don't know. I haven't seen like an actual lighthouse in the middle of fucking nowhere, which I mean, I would love to see. So if anyone has a lighthouse in the middle of nowhere, hit me up. So <coughs> the lighthouse 2019, um, 
they have like the whole shebang. They have the lighthouse. They have the attached living quarters. They have the foghorn. They have, you know, everything. Whereas the other movie, 2015, 2016, Lighthouse, I mean, they kept it straight up. I mean, both movies are really good. Both movies made me smile. Both movies were disturbing, but the new Lighthouse, 2019, far more disturbing. The visuals are just, I don't even fucking know. But same concept. Shitty boss, shitty situation, and you just sort of end up in this really shitty situation. And somebody always gets hurt or dies, and uh, people go crazy. That is the two Lighthouse stories that I've been holding on to. I've been shaking with anticipation to read this to you guys. My mouth does not work right now. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah. So that's it for today. I am signing off now. It's been been some time since I've not been talking about lighthouses. Okay. If you want to find us, we are on Instagram, Double D Movie Night. Uh, we do have a link tree that will link you to our merch, or if you want to find us on Facebook or Instagram, um, or email us or whatever, we do have that. I'll put that in the description below as well as um, all of the articles that I use to find all of these fun stories for you guys. So yeah, I ummed a whole bunch and I'm apologetic. I feel really bad about it because um annoys me so bad and then I do it all the fucking time. Okay, that's it for me and we love you and we miss you and I hope you enjoyed and here's to 2020, right? Yeah, yeah. See you later. Bye. listening to this special bonus episode. Be sure to follow, share, and rate us on your podcast apps.